and I live in a van down by the river. Oh, I'm a pansy. People brag about it. They, they can handle it. My penis. Bigger. It's different. Welcome back to the life of Caligula, episode 17, Ray. Yes, it is, and I'm excited to be here. How are you? Oh, I'm great. What's What's been going on in your life since we finished the last episode three minutes ago, Ray? Um, my dog is at my window staring at me, nothing but love. Uh, it's kind of freaky. Are you dead from coronavirus yet? That's I am, all I want to know. It, well, if I am, I'm in heaven and I'm talking to you. <laughs> Talking to you was my ideal of heaven. The Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne has been officially cancelled. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, this morning. Uh, so that's the one good thing to come out of coronavirus <laughs> so far. Um, if, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that and Tom Hanks. Right. Um, oh, getting it. So you know, they're two, two good things. Right. In Virginia, the Democrats have taken over the House, the, you know, the, what are the state house. They haven't been in charge in... A very long time, and they've altered the cannabis status in this state. It is still technically illegal, but now if you are caught with less than an ounce, it's considered something like a minor traffic violation. It's a $20, $25 fine, and um, your employers, future employers, past employers will never see a record. So they're they're hiding that from employers so they can't punish you punish you. So again, if you're caught with less than an ounce, you know, if it's personal use, twenty five dollar fine, go about your business. So I would say well, I thought it, progress. I thought it's legal in Virginia. Yeah, no. yeah, I thought it was legal nationwide. No, 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 no. They're still really yeah. This is a big Hasn't step got for to us. Virginia. Yeah, no, this is a Jesus big step. Christ. I think we're the twenty sixth wow. state to have some kind of augmented. Law, if I if I remember correctly, so we we got a ways to go. This is obviously from the bullshit filter, but um, you know we're getting there. We're, some common sense is entering into the laws, right? Yeah. Okay, well, back to yeah. Caligula. Uh, at the end of our last episode, he was planning. I said this is around about the time, sort of 40, 39, 40. He plans his expedition to Britain. We've talked briefly, we've hinted at this before, sort of ties in with his whole trip to Germany and Gaticulus's execution, etc., etc. Right. But as I said last time, uh, like his uh, execution of Gaticulus and Ptolemy mm-hmm. and the others, it, it, this is often treated as a sign that he'd gone completely insane, right. completely mad right. in the film. You know, he's treated as crazy and uh, it's it's all a bit of a joke and all his soldiers are looking at him like he's confused. What should we do? Right. Uh, but as I said last time, like with a lot of these things, if you read the sources carefully and with a sceptical hat regarding Suetonius and Dio and Tacitus's depiction of Caligula, mm-hmm. uh, keeping in mind that they're all writing much, much later under... 
non-Julio-Claudian uh, emperors right. um, and, and may have a political reasons for yeah. depicting him as crazy. Uh, uh, and you think about what's going on at the time, uh, there is another way of looking at the story. Right. And we'll get into that in this episode. Um, now, Suetonius himself reports that Caligula, quote, held levies everywhere with utter strictness. These are troop levies. Right. And brought together supplies of every kind on a scale never before matched and says that troop forces were drawn together from all provinces. Sounds serious. Cassius, Cassius Dio says that he gathered together somewhere between 200,000 and 250,000 troops. Mm. It's a hell of a now, gesture. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now even if you take the 200,000 figure, that's more than twice the normal garrison levels that you would have on the Rhine. Right. So he is obviously planning something enormous. Here. Yes. Yes. Do you think in this, and if this might be too soon or whatever, but do you think he's trying to, you know, because obviously his father was Germanicus who had success in Germany. Drusus, his grandfather had success, also had some struggles in Germany as well. Do you think he's like, well, th these are the people that I came from. Maybe this is expected of me. But as we've said before in the past, at the very least, if you want to turn the average Roman citizen's head, if you are a military, a victorious military leader, that will get you street cred almost better than anything else. So um, is he doing this to get the people on his side? Is he doing this because the people before him have done it? I wonder what his motivations were. And you're right, with these kind of numbers, this guy's not fucking around. Clearly, he had something planned. You can't just say it was a whim or he was going to raise this big army to go around in Gaul and steal all the, the people's property and money and whatever because he was short of funds. Clearly, he was going to do something massive with this. Yeah, and I think your explanations... Uh you know, quite possible. Like he realized that he realized, that, as I said in the last episode, mm -hmm. um, that th there were some uh, people in the aristocracy and, and maybe in the uh, plebeians as well that were looking at him, going, "You know what? Uh, you know, Tiberius was this great general. Right? You, you've done nothing." Yeah. Why should we allow you to sit on a throne? And he's like, okay, I, I need to do something. Yeah. So, you know, I can, I, I have that level of credibility. Fill up my resume. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but also, uh, as we'll see as we go on, and as we know, the situation in the Rhine has not been great for the Romans since uh, Arminius back in like nine, the year nine. So, like 30, for 30 years. They've kind of been soft on the Rhine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they went in and they defeated Arminius, but uh, it's kind of it's been a little bit loosey goosey. Goticulus, as we said in a couple of episodes ago, mm -hmm. was known for being a little bit uh, light on discipline with the troops there. There'd been a number of incursions over the Rhine. It, it looked like the the German tribes were starting to get uppity right. again. A generation or more had passed since the defeat of Arminius, and they're like, "Yeah, we we can take these Romans. These yeah. Romans are, aren't all that. <laughs> we we can we can probably take them. If Arminius did it, we can do it." Right. And uh, you know, maybe so. Part of this is Caligula doubling down and going, "Right, this fucking ends now. Right. We're going to go in. We're going to 
kick German ass. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. We, we, we teach the, the current generation of Germans a lesson, and I get some credibility or whatever you want to call it back in Rome. Win-win. Yeah. May have practical reasons as well as propagandistic reasons. Right. Now, getting to, back to Britain, obviously, Julie had invaded Britain in the mid-50s BCE, but didn't establish any kind of permanent province there, just did some deals with the Catavalloni tribe right. to pay tribute to Rome. And they did, yeah. apparently, for a long time. Yeah. But somewhere around 20 to 15 BCE, so... 20, 30 to 35 years after Julie had been there. More than a generation. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. um, A king called Tasciovanus in Britain came to power. And he was the first British king to mint coins with his name on them. Ooh, That we have a record of. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Now, he started getting a little bit aggressive. And by the time of his death, around 5 to 10 CE, mm-hmm. his territory had stretched from Northamptonshire to the Thames. Oh. Now, those words mean nothing to me. <laughs> so Northamptonshire, if you, if you look at a map of... Uh, well, England, it's sort of smack bang, I think, in the middle of England. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where's, where's the border with Scotland? Oh, it's kind of up there-ish. So it's above um, the Thames. It's in the middle, in the Midlands. Yeah. Above the Thames. So for people who aren't British, first of all, congratulations. <laughs> Secondly... <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, so London, if, if, on, the, on the big island, right. London is uh, sort of down on the southeast. Mm-hmm. That's, where the, that's where the Thames is. Yeah. Northamptonshire is sort of uh, up in the middle of the widest part of the island, more or less. Gotcha. And so this guy's uh, kingdom has been expanding all this time, coming down ever closer to the Thames, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. He's basically been expanding. Now, uh, as he expands, he gets more powerful, uh, getting a little bit cocky. Right. Apparently, about uh, you know their, their, what they need to send to Rome, and Ooh. Augustus apparently intended to go there himself to sort them out. Uh oh. But when Varus was defeated. <laughs> yeah. In Germany, yeah. in 9 CE, it changed his mind. Why would that have changed his mind, Ray? Well, one, you've just lost a shitload of troops. Two, you don't exactly look invincible anymore. And three, you have to now really watch the border with Germany. The last thing you can do is weaken that to go attack in Britain. And, uh, yeah, it's just another headache for him. And I'm guessing as this guy, uh, Tassiovanus, is coming down south, whatever pro-Roman... Brits are down there or probably being squeezed out or getting weakened or maybe they're going, yeah, why are we paying? So as the years go by, it's, I'm sure there's less booty, excuse me, less tribute coming to Rome because of the, the changing situation on the island. Yeah. 
I think the other reason, I think you mentioned a lot of good reasons. The other reason is if your border with Germany, uh, you know, the border between Germany and Gaul is weak, right? that's your supply line. If you're coming oh, from Italy, that's right. crossing through Gaul yes. to get to Britain, not good. your supply line's you know, threat. If you, if, yeah. you send, if you send a bunch of legions to Britain and right. then the Germans breach the Rhine, oh, they can't shit. get back. Yes. You're fucked. And they're not getting supplies. Do you know what Augustus said to that? Your supply lines are weak. Fuck you. You're weak. Very good. Very good. Yeah, that quote can be used in many situations. And see. They said, well, uh, who are you talking to? It's your supply lines. Yeah. Oh, I was talking to myself it's an in inner the mirror. monologue. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's doing it in the mirror. <laughs> So there's some evidence apparently to suggest that Augustus, uh, when he visited Gaul in 16 CE, uh, he really did that kind of to just threaten Tascaevans. Show the flag. And yeah, yeah, hey, I'm coming. Right. I could, I could be there tomorrow. That's right. Get an Uber. And that was an right. that was enough oh. to make Tascaevans withdraw. Right. Uh, get back to where he went. Said come. Uh, <laughs> So this has been going on for a while, the, the, the problems in Britain. Thibaut was too busy building his sex palace, right. so he didn't really get involved. Yeah. Now, to the south of the Catavallati tribe, beyond the Thames, was the kingdom of the Atrabates. Its capital was Calava Atrabatum, oh, wow. which is modern Silchester. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Oh, you have never been to Silchester? No. Lovely. No, I go no. Got a spoon from there, there, but no, I d- I've never been. <laughs> that's that's the one thing the British are good at is uh, teaspoons. Right. Making fancy teaspoons. Yeah. Ooh la la. Well, if you look again at the map, if you look at London and you go sort of uh, to the left of London, right? Uh, I mean, yes. Yeah, that's 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 you go west. You end up at Silchester. Gotcha. Sort of, sort of close to Reading, uh, or Reading. They probably pronounce right. it. Uh, Swindon, south of Oxford. Good cheese. Just yeah, Swindon. lots of lots of British names. Right. I'm just going to throw out very there. Very British. Yeah. yeah, very British. Right. Very the Office. I feel like I'm in Ricky Gervais's <laughs> The Office. It's Swindon. The Swindon. That was like their uh, their rival right. branch. Yeah. Was Swindon. Swindon. Yeah. I thought he was just making that up. Nope. It's, apparently it's a real place. Well, Not the place in the American place. office was real. Scranton, because I drove through there going to New York years ago. So the release is Scranton, Pennsylvania. There you go. Boom. Anyway. Um, now, apparently, Silchester was founded uh-huh. by Commius. Now, we talked a lot about Commius back in the original series. Oh, God. He was... He was an Atrabatian from Gaul. Mm-hmm. Had uh, it sort of Caesar had a deal with him and had made him king of an area or allowed him to be king of an area. Uh, then he sort of rebelled against Caesar, <sighs> right. fled, uh, then came back to try and support Vercingetorix during the siege of Alesia. Right. But, but he was the guy that fled to Britain and uh, set up his little kingdom Smart. there. Smart. Yeah. Get yeah. out. Uh, get out. Get the fuck away <laughs> from Julius Caesar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cut your hands off. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, 
ironically, right. this whole Silchester area that was, that was created by Commius ended up becoming pro-Roman under Commius's son, Tincomius or Tincomarus. Uh, I, th- I think they now believe the actual name mm. is Tincomarus. He used to be called Tincomius, but now they say, uh, archaeological records say Tincomarus. Right. And they were the ones that were sort of acting to uh, uh, act as a sort of a buffer to the expansion of the uh, Tasciovanus tribe, Catavalani tribe. Right. Now, Tinkamaris, though, had to get out. He, you know, he, he acted as a buffer for as long as he could, but around about 7 or 8 CE, he had to flee to Rome oh. when he was overrun by Tasciovanus. Right. His arrival in Rome is actually recorded in Augustus's Res Gestae. Mm. Um, but apparently he had some internal problems. You know, I guess uh, he had a brother, Epilus, who was then support? Who was then replaced by another brother, Verica? Right. Um, you know, I think some of them were were pro-Roman. Some of them wanted to side with uh, the Catavallani tribe, mm-hmm. uh, and Verica reigned right through to the time of Claudius. Damn. Now, in the north, Tasciovanus was eventually succeeded by Cunobelinus, his son, <laughs> right, also known as. Cymbeline, who is one of the most famous British kings of the period. Um, he was called Cymbeline because he liked to bang right. things together all the time. <laughs> and he would Just rap around. right as he was doing it, yeah. Really? You yeah. ever heard rapping over the top of cymbals? I don't know. I, like, I don't know. My name is Cymbeline. I like jeans. I like cream in my cover. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing something like that. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard you freestyle before. That was so <laughs> terrible. Pain, painful. Sad. Right. So what? So what I'm hearing is there's a lot of fighting going on in England, Southern England, whatever. That, that doesn't exactly sound like a united front. Should the Romans come their way with two hundred thousand men, just spitballing? Yeah, well, normal tribal warfare going on. Cymbeline, yeah. by the way, the name means strong dog. Yeah, it does. Sounds like a beer. I'll have a, <laughs> a give me a strong dog. dog. I'll have a strong dog. I love a tame poodle. He's, Thank you. Right. He he's famous uh, because Shakespeare wrote a play about him. That's oh. how famous he is. Wow. What was a play? Cymbeline. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's called uh, the the Trials of Strong Dog. I have not read uh, that. Acts one, two, three. No, it's called Cymbeline. The right. Tragedy of Cymbeline, King of Britain. I have not read that. Cool. I got something to do this weekend. Me. Yeah. I haven't either. I I, mm. I will confess. Yeah. Um. Now, after the defeat of Varus, uh, apparently Cymbeline uh, got pretty ballsy right. and captured large, large swathes right. of Britain right. and is actually called King of the Britons, Britannorum Rex by Suetonius. Nice. And, and apparently Augustus did a bit of a deal with him. Um, rather than invade, sure. you know, he said, listen, you know, just... Pay us, pay us a tribute again and uh, uh, trade right. with us. And, you know, Augustus was big on diplomacy and trade. Yeah. I think we saw this with the Persians. Yes. He was like, listen, I could, I could come over there and fight, right. but do we have to? Yeah. Can't we just, like, you get make along? Money. Exactly. You want to make money? I want to make money, keep our people happy so we can keep rolling. We can work mm. this out. <laughs> 
Let's find a way to make money and save face exactly. and, you know, uh, just get along. Yeah. So he did this with uh, Cymbeline as well. Apparently, based on coins of the period and archaeological evidence, there was a lot of trade going on with Rome and Britain at the time. Large quantities of imported amphorae coming in from Italy and oh, some from Spain. Right. They used to bring in oil and wine, as well as there's Italian plates and drinking vessels in Britain. And then Thibaut was probably on friendly terms with him as well, because in 16 CE, mm-hmm. some Roman soldiers got blown offshore. Oh, shit. Um, ended up blown off course, I mean. Right. Cast ashore in Britain and were returned to Italy by some British royalty. See, diplomacy. It works. Diplomacy. Get along. Yeah. Yeah. What you don't say is, you do you, I'll do me. And your mom. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. (laughs) Now... Based on coins from the period, Cymbeline's brother, Epatacus, mm-hmm. seems to have captured the Atrebatian region south of the Thames. And there are also coins in that region with Cunabellinus or Cymbeline's son wow. on it. And his son was? Cymbeline Jr.? No. They, 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 they tried with that. Yeah, they, they <laughs> Simbo too. The return of Simbo. His son was... Caractacus. Oh, Caractacus Potts. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Chitty, chitty, bang. No. Okay, never mind. Caractacus. I I was going to say, as in... Then I can write a washing bill in Babylonic uniform and tell you every teacher of Caractacus's uniform. In short, in matters vegetable, animal, and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. Caractacus's. Then I can write a washing bill in Babylonic uniform and tell you every detail of Caractacus's uniform. In short, in matters vegetable and animal and mineral, I am the very modern of a modern major general. So there you go. Caractacus. Nice. nice. Good name. Now, the Atrobatic kings uh, may have appealed to Rome for aid Ooh. to sort of uh, uh, keep out uh, your, your Caractacus. Right. Um, but this would have been during Tiberius's reign, and as we know, he didn't. No. He, he had he he had little babies <laughs> to train to suck on the end of his knob. I mean, he really had more important right. things to do. <laughs> it's all perspective. He, he he was a status quo kind of guy. He's not going to rock the boat. He, I'm just a caretaker doing my thing. So I'm not surprised he yeah. didn't invade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and in all fairness, that's exactly what Augustus wanted him to be as a yeah. caretaker too. Good, good point, yeah. yeah. Now, we know that at least by the time of the Claudian invasion of Britain in 43, mm-hmm. Cunobelinus was dead, a.k.a. Cymbeline. Right. And had been succeeded by his sons, Togodumnus and Caractacus, who were both extremely anti-Roman. Mm. And the Atrobatic Kingdom was on the verge of being completely defeated. And it looks like this invasion of the Atrobatic Kingdom was still happening when Caligula was in power. It had been going on from, you know, Tiberius's reign right through to Claudius's reign. Now, this yeah. may have prompted Caligula's decision to invade Britain. Yeah. They're, they're, they're sending in police for help. He's looking for a way to make his bones. Right. And 
he puts together a massive army to invade Britain with and fuck some shit up. <laughs> but if I may, and, I, and I'll try not to jump ahead, but you can't go traipsing and send 200,000 or whatever men to Britain without your right or northeastern flank, i.e. Germany, being protected. So as far as I can tell, there were some skirmishes, there were some fights between the Romans and the Germans, because I think you had said on the last episode, if I'm correct, that the Germans had been had been coming over the Rhine. They'd been ignored uh, by the lax Roman uh, legions there. They were setting up. And so the first thing that Caligula's got to do is check his right flank before he can do anything with his left flank. So I think the Germans that were already in Gaul had to get the smack down and maybe some of the uh, the tribes right next to the, to, I think the Rhine River had to be checked as well. So he can go to, he can want to go to Britain all he wants, but he's got to secure the right flank first. And that's going to take some military operations Fortunately, as far as I know, he has Galba, but first Galba's got to clean up the act, clean up the mess that was left by years of decadence and not really doing any serious soldiering. Yeah. Now, Philo, our uh, Jewish historian, contemporary Mm -hmm. Jewish historian, uh, wrote that the Jews demonstrated their loyalty to Caligula Mm -hmm. by sacrificing three times. First, when he became emperor, second, after he recovered from his illness, and third, for the hope of a victory in Germany. Ooh. Jews obviously... Um, knew what was coming. You know, knew what was coming, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, their prophets had warned them right. that uh, a guy with a toothbrush moustache was going to kill millions of them, so they hoped that right. Caligula would be able to prevent that. Pre-kill. Um, yes, prevent it. <clears throat> Yeah, so he he obviously knew he needed to, uh, if he was going to go to Britain, he needed to bed down this German situation. But it also might be that, um, you know, Britain seemed like an easier target to him than going and fighting the Germans. Varus had shown how dangerous going above the Rhine could be, and the Romans hadn't had any major victories uh, north of the Rhine since then. Mm. So maybe he just thought he would uh, shore up the border. Maybe out of these 250,000 troops that he was putting together, he'd leave, you know, uh, 100,000, 150,000 on the Rhine, take 100,000 with him to Britain, um, you know, get both done. We don't really know. But that seems like something that was possible. Listen, I'm not going to go across the run because that's fucking crazy shit. Those Germans, man, they're crazy. The British, like we know the British are pussies uh, still to this very day. Uh, They would have have raised their threat level to a little bit miffed um, if if Caligula had gone. If it's a miffed, yeah. Well, if we zoom out, (laughs) how dare you? But if we zoom out just a little bit, since his uncle is going to, in three years' time from this moment, is going to successfully, to to whatever degree, invade Britain, obviously it was doable to some degree versus fucking with the Germans and then probably, you know, creating a shitstorm that you couldn't handle. So I think that's the good call, the right call. Go after the British instead after the Germans because you don't want any part of that. Um, I think he made the right call. But you make a good point. Now... If you watch the film and you read Suetonius and Dio and Tacitus, yeah. they all tend to depict Caligula's attempted invasion of Britain as being 
foolish and in a, a sign that he was insane. Yeah. But a few years later, Claudius does it and no one bats an eyelid. In fact, they go, yeah. good on you. Thumbs up, Claudius. You got it done. He's a hero. Yeah. The, the way, though, that Barrett portrays it, and when you think about it carefully, is quite possibly Caligula set the stage for the invasion, that he planned to do it not that not then, but a year from then or two years from oh, then. He right. was building the infrastructure for the invasion, but he didn't su- get survive long enough to do it. Claudius... Uh, you know, took advantage of what Caligula had already started, put in place. He built the plans, he built the infrastructure, as we'll see. Yeah. Claudius just comes along and finishes what Caligula had already started. But but not only now, that, you've already mentioned that he got rid of incompetent generals. They went in and they fired a whole bunch of officers. They, they retrained the men. They moved people around so it wasn't just the status quo. So between that, raising a bunch of money, raising a bunch of troops, you're right, he did the groundwork, or at least he set the stage for someone else to come along and to succeed. So And again, he doesn't get credit for that, but getting rid of a lot of deadwood in your military is going a long way for the next guy to have the military victory that you were going to set yourself up for. It's it's just that it didn't happen for him. Yeah, and there's a lot of confusion about the timing, too. Right. We don't really know how this will play. It may be he planned to take all these, raise all these troops, go to Germany, leave a bunch of new troops with Catullicus mm-hmm. um, to, to, to stabilise the Rhine border and then take the rest to Britain. But on the way there, um, or just before he left or whatever, he found out about the conspiracy that involved Catullicus. Yes, and so he needs to change his plans. Obviously, exactly. you can't you can't launch an invasion <laughs> when your own generals and maybe senators and your own bum buddy and your sisters are planning to overthrow you Ooh. as soon as you leave the country. Yes, or as soon as you you know leave the mainland. Maybe that was the plan. They were like, when he goes to England, right. that's when we yeah. do it. He's away from here. We shut. We don't let him get back. We yeah. basically you know, get rid of him when he's in Britain. And he found out about that. So obviously he can't go to Britain until he beds down right. the conspiracy situation at home and his plans got fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And the Germans. Now, yeah. Now, and and also, uh, you know, he can't fight campaigns in Britain and Germany at the same time. Right. And uh, so if he did, as I said before, and the Germans managed to breach the Rhine, they cut off the supply lines to his legions in Britain. So he needed to secure the German border first. Now, after he got rid of Geticulus, the guy that he appointed, as we said in an earlier episode, as the replacement commander of the German operations was Servius Sulpicius Galba, mm-hmm. future emperor, briefly. Right. Um, old friend, old chariot racing buddy of Caligula's and a professional soldier. He had fought a successful campaign in Aquitania. And it's likely that at the same time as he was appointed, Lucius Apronius was replaced in Lower Germany by Publius Gabinius Secundus, Mm -hmm. who was another successful soldier with a good track record. So he's appointing good, solid, competent guys in both regions of Germany to lock that shit down, (laughs) bring back discipline to the troops. And as as I've said before, there have been regular problems in this area going right back to Varus in 9 CE. 
through to the attack. Don't remember, don't forget, I mean, the attack of the Frizzy Eye oh, in yes. 28. Disgusting. In, uh, yeah. When uh, uh, 900 Roman soldiers were killed. This was uh, when the whole thing with the they were being forced to pay taxes in the form of large cattle skins and they didn't yes. have any large cattle. So God. they were like, fuck you. And they <laughs> crucified Roman troops who were sent to collect taxes. Oh. We covered this back in episode 34 and episode 26 back in April 2019, Ray. Or God. as I like to I like to think it, it's a BCV. <laughs> BCV. Uh, but... Yeah, before coronavirus, uh, <laughs> back in those days, but before the right. before the world melted down. <laughs> True, but when we covered it way back then, I because I honestly can't remember. I remember the story about the 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 hides, the uh, the tax collectors getting killed by the, um, the frizzy eye, and I remember the nine hundred men um, being slaughtered. But what I, and I couldn't remember if we covered this or not, was that later on after some, some, some level of, uh, investigation, the Romans found out that these men actually held out for a day and they had been fighting and fighting and fighting. And eventually they were just so exhausted. They had to give up, but 400 Roman troops had killed themselves rather than give up to the Germans. So it was this horrible thing. And it was so, um, it was such an embarrassment. Rome does not only, not react to this by getting some kind of revenge campaign geared up. They actually tried to hide this from the Republic. So you know it's really bad for Rome to cover up a military disaster because Rome is all about if they get their ass kicked, they like uh, uh, like what they did in Spain, they literally keep going until they win. The fact that they covered this up, they are just not the same Romans as the time of Julius Caesar and Gaius Marius. And they just don't want to have to deal with the Germans if it's at all possible not to. I think there's a little bit of fear uh, there just don't fuck with the Germans if you don't have to. So you got um, Herman the German in the year nine. Right. In twenty eight, you've got the Battle of Baduena Wood that you just talked about, yeah. where the Romans lost, you know, a, a legion and a bit. Um, then uh, towards the end of Tiberius's reign, there's also a situation apparently where. The, the Germans broke over the Rhine and caused sort of major devastation in Gaul while Gauticulus was the commander because mm. um, he was too weak. This is right. probably ties in with the around about the time when uh, Tiberius was going to remove him from command right. and Gauticulus was like, I don't think so, yeah. motherfucker. And he got, got away with it. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Tacitus, when he's talking about Gauticulus, says... Mirum amorum ad secetus est. He had sought excessive popularity with his troops, and then he was a man, effuse clementiae modicus severitate, a man of much clemency restrained in handing out punishment. Mm. So, uh, he, you know, he was just soft with yeah. the troops because he wanted to be popular. And I mean, as a lot of people say, that's my problem with you. I, I, I'm I'm too too soft with you because I want you to like me. Right. Um, really, you deserve to be whipped. Oh, on, yeah. a, on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the problem. You would like it, and and that you know every every kind of punishment I've come right. up with. I get hard pulling fingernails right. out. Yeah, you, you just yeah. get turned on. So it, it, it gets me nowhere. I, win win. I tried reverse psychology. I won't whip you. <laughs> no, no. Unless you work hard. I work hard. You know? Yeah. I did work hard. I just worked hard with the wrong material. So 
Hey, let's let's be honest. Even there, even with that, you didn't work out. And I and don't think I'm not uh, I'm not uh, aware of what's going on here. Yeah, you did nothing, and then but your excuse was, oh, oh. I read the wrong book. Right, though, because you used this. You used this a couple of weeks ago. Did I? Was in another me? show, yeah, was another show. I can't remember what it was. There, you're like, oh, right. Oh no, I I don't have any notes. So yeah. I I must have read the wrong book. Well, I normally sorry rotate my excuses. I must have skipped a card. Yeah. Anyway, the dog yeah. ate my. Next one will be. Oh, I've got coronavirus. <laughs> I can't. I've gone I blind. Can't. I can't. Could you send me the resources in really? Braille? Please. Is that what happens? You go blind. I, I, I think that's I, just from jerking off too much. I don't think that's. Oh. I don't think that's. Yeah. Something's going to make me blind. Anyway. <laughs> uh, where were we? I don't know. Um, Geticulous. <gasps> yes, he he was too weak. Right. So Galba's first job is to enforce strict discipline, and, and we mentioned this a few episodes ago. This episodes ago, a saying went around the army in Germany: "Learn to be a soldier, soldier. Don't make a fuss." Galba's here, not Gatulicus. Nice. I like it's that. It's a little rap that <laughs> they used to use, and you and you clang things as you're doing it. Mm. Now he Galba blocked requests for leave right. and basically trained them hard. Yeah. <laughs> hard. Party time is over. They were given minutely detailed instructions for their behaviour. Right. They weren't allowed to applaud at festivals. Damn. Uh, any commanders who weren't hard enough were fired on the spot. Any centurions who had grown too old or right. whose health wasn't up to the duties were relieved of their office. Quite a number of soldiers were dismissed, I think, uh, mm-hmm. when they were when they were not up to scratch and they were fired. They received only half of the normal discharge pension. They only got Fuck. six thousand sesterces instead of twelve. Fuck. So it was it was back to your good old <laughs> brutal right. form of Roman that military. Worked training but that shit worked well it worked but it's not going to work fast enough that's true like caligula's there if he went there with the intention of invading britain making sure that the border on the rhine was stable enough for him to invade britain and he gets there and has to execute geticulus either because he's involved in a conspiracy or because he's just you know, done such a piss poor job <laughs> of all, maintaining the troops. They all got dad bods. Clearly, they're not ready for war. That uh, he's fucked up Caligula's entire plans for making his uh, bones. I'd kill him too. Right? Yeah. And so, the, and, and, he, and he calls in Galba and he says, Right, you're in charge. How long is it going to take for you to get these guys into any shape? And Galba's like, Seriously, yeah. uh, six months. Yeah. And he's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do for six months? Um, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you asked. Know, I answered. Just uh, go home, I guess. Yeah. Come back. Come come back. And then, you know, you're gonna, we're going to be in winter quarters. Exactly. Or come, come, come back in a year, I guess. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, that the, 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 these are likely... Uh, you know, series of events that could have happened. Right. So there's not enough time for him to get the troops ready, build up the defences of Germany, push back the tribes that have already crossed over into Gaul, uh, in, and, and then, you know, 
start a campaign in Britain. Not enough time in the campaign season of 3940 for him to get all of that done. Yeah. So Dio claims the Romans went a little beyond the Rhine and then turned back, as we covered in an earlier episode. The late 4th century historian Eutropius, who wrote his summary of Roman history, which I read, and it's very summary. Right. It's very short. It's like your, it's like your version right. of doing notes. <laughs> He, he was the 4th century version of Ray. Um, My great-great-great-grandfather. Yeah. He claims that Caligula undertook a war with the Germans, entered Swabia, but carried out no vigorous action. He writes, He undertook a war against the Germans, but after entering Swabia, made no effort to do anything. He committed incest with his sisters and acknowledged a daughter that he had by one of them, while tyrannising over all with the utmost avarice, licentiousness and cruelty. He was assassinated in the palace in the 29th year of his age, in the third year, 10th month and 8th day of his reign. Damn! That's... That's Eutropius's entire coverage of Caligula's reign. Well, yeah. He can't be banging his oh, oh, he's saying he's banging his sister in general versus this particular time because he's already sent them packing to whatever islands. So, uh, never mind. I retract that. Yeah, no. That's okay. his entire you know, coverage Damn. of uh, Caligula's four years. Now, Galba seems to have been successful. Suetonius says that he achieved brilliant successes uh, sort of before uh, Caligula arrived. Apparently, he fought some battles against the Chatti. Mm-hmm. Uh, we remember those going way, way back uh, to the Julius Caesar days, Germanicus's days. And apparently, he's still battling in, the, in 41. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, he's having a lot of successes, but it's not a quick mop-up operation. This right. is, you know, the the... Bedding down Gaul and Germany is going to take Galba, you know, several campaign seasons. Yes, the can the Canifates, Caninifates, down on the north sea coast, east of the Rhine. Uh, their ruler uh, is identified by Tacitus as having held out against the Romans during this campaign. And his family won enough fame during this period to still be important during the military uprising in this region that happens in 69, your favourite year. (laughs) So, you know, it's obviously Galba does a great job, but not fast enough for Caligula to even consider a campaign in Britain at this period. And and keep in mind later on, I think it comes later on when... um, Caligula does ask about an update. The success is good. It's not great. And again, he might end up making a statement, whether it's joking or he's just showing some frustration. Again, that the historians are going to use kind of against him to show that he's insane. So, yeah, it's going to take Galba years. And so if it's going to take him years and the German frontier is unsettled, do you really want to cross over the channel knowing that your back door is not yet secure? Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, now, yeah. according to Dio, right. Caligula was awarded the title of Imperator seven times Damn. without fighting a single battle. Uh, but later on in his life of Claudius, he says Claudius was awarded the title several times, unlike his predecessor. Huh. So 
you know, pick a story and fucking stick to it, <laughs> right. Cassius Dio. Uh, which one is it? And, you know, it's things like this where it's evident that you can't trust sources like Dio and Suetonius because they contradict themselves. Right. And, look, and we know about writing history in those days. These guys didn't expect us to be reading it 2,000 years later and picking fucking holes in it. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it's again, it's like the Bible. They, they, they were just writing stories for their friends, their communities, mm-hmm. to get them through the day. You know, with the Christians, they believed the world was going to end any day now, so they didn't <laughs> think their books were going to be around 2,000 years later. <laughs> right. Um, they weren't writing history that would be fact-checked by nerd dicks like us. It was just... <laughs> They're like, ah, it's a good story, you know? (laughs) Right. But another layer of that is Galba does engage the Germans on some level. There are some skirmishes, and he is victorious in a lot of them. And you have to remember, this is Rome. So if if Galba has a victory, the ultimate credit goes to Caligula because he's the commanding, uh, he's the he's the commander in chief. So he can he can claim that he can be awarded whatever, even though someone else is actually doing the fighting. Because remember, one of the big issues between Gaius Marius and Sulla was that when Gaius Marius was waging war against Jugurtha, Jugurtha and Numidia, Sulla's the one who actually captures Jugurtha and was pissed that Gaius Marius was getting the credit for it, but he was the overall commander. That's the way Rome did things. The overall commander takes credit or blame for everything that happens. So one of my generals does well, I can claim a victory. I can be declared whatever on the field. It's my troops doing it right or wrong. That's how Romans did it. And so when these guys try to pick this apart, they're kind of ignoring some of Romans, uh, Rome's longest traditions. Well, yeah, but... Caligula's not really the commander. He's just the princeps. But this had yeah. been established going back to Augustus's day. Just the, the tradition was if there was a military victory, if you it's appointed mine. the commander, right. it's your victory. Yeah. yeah. It's mine. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, there are coins from distant parts of the empire, like mm. Lydia, uh, Lydia, oh, Lydia, oh, have you seen Lydia? Oh, Lydia, the Tartu lady. <laughs> that, uh, from this period, that feature a Roman cavalryman pointing a spear at a Germanic woman with her hands tied behind her back and dedicated to Caligula. It's hot. So something happened happened. or something was at least claimed to have happened where there was Roman successes in Germany at this stage, enough that Caligula was able to have coins printed. Well, you make a good point because remember, Caesar was only there for a year or less than a year and then he got the fuck out when the weather changed and he used all the nails he had. He nailed the ships back together, crossed back over the channel, got to Gaul and never set foot in Britain again. So again, he uses his time in Britain to say he had a great military victory and eh, whatever. Caligula is doing the same thing here. Everybody does it. You spin it because it's so far away. How are the people back in Rome going to possibly know the truth? Mm. So then we get to this invasion of Britain under Caligula. Now, details obviously are sketchy. Um, if you if you read Cassius Dio, he says Caligula went to the shore, right. jumped in a trireme, sailed out a bit, then <clears> returned... <throat> And sat on a high platform and ordered his men to walk into the water and collect seashells in their helmets. 
Sounds right. Which he said was enemy booty. And that was it. Mm. But there's a gap. There's a gap in what we have of Cassius Dio immediately before this. Right. So we don't know what happened between Caligula's in Germany, then he's in Britain, but there's missing pages. Yeah. That might have put this into some kind of context. Mm -hmm. Suetonius adds a little, but not much. Um, But it seems like with all the troubles going on in Germany, it would have been insane to attempt an invasion. And by the way, there's no mention of the sort of ships that would have been required for an invasion. Julius Caesar took 800 ships for yeah. his crossing. But there's no mention of of Caligula building a massive armada of ships and how long that would have taken and all of the preparations, etc. So that's there's a big question mark over this here. Was he seriously intending to invade? If so, where are the ships? Right. Now, one of the suggestions about the collecting of the seashells bit is that it was some kind of punishment for cowardice. Yeah, I could. Well, because you have to remember that the Romans, and we said this before, where the Romans are not big fans of the water. Even Caligula himself couldn't swim. Um, and, and like I said, when Caesar got back, he never went back over there. The, the, the Romans just not big. You know, they, they would normally hire that out or whatever. Not big. So from what I was reading in my other book, it's like uh, Caligula gets up there with his troops they're on the edge. They're ready to go. And like you're right, there's no mention of gathering ships. He would have needed hundreds of ships if he was going to carry over one to 200,000 men. Maybe the, the soldiers took one look at the choppy waves, said, fuck this, we're not doing it. And he can't really force them because they're the ones with the swords or whatever. And so to embarrass them, you know, stand here on the, on the shore, gather up a bunch of she- seashells uh, because that is going to be the only booty we get because you were too pussyfoot to cross over and take on the British. Yeah. Now, I remember that when Julius Caesar made his crossing, his men were terrified. Yes. There was like a mutiny at one point. They were concerned that they would all die. Um, and there's evidence that a few years after Caligula, when Claudius does his campaign, his legions mutinied as well. They mm-hmm. said that the the uh, island lay outside of the bounds yes. of the civilized world. Right. The Oikomene, they refused. Right. It took him weeks Come on. to convince them yeah. to do it. Yeah. There be, um, be dragons. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, there, there are some other explanations here too of what might have happened that I'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. But. We know that Caligula was back in Rome by the end of May 40. Right. And it would have taken a couple of months to make the trip back, which means he would have left by March. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the ancient sources, the seas were closed anyway until the end of May. Oh. It was considered unsafe right. to cross the sea at that time of the year. And as you point out, Caligula couldn't swim and was afraid of the sea. Yeah. So it's unlikely that he went to the shoreline intending to cross at that particular point in time anyway. Mm-hmm. What other reasons mm. could he have had for going to the shore, Ray? 
Oh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, because it, it, maybe it's uh, an exercise. Maybe he's trying to bond with the troops. He's trying to get them ready. Maybe if they are that fearful, maybe he's getting ready. He's getting them ready with the idea of crossing over. Because I know that he builds something like a lighthouse to mark where they were at, and maybe that was to be used later as a reference point when they do go over. Maybe he was going to wait a year, but maybe it was uh, just to to get gather the men together, bind them to him because he. You know, he's hopefully marching with his men, you know, whatever, talking to them. But maybe it was nothing more than an exercise. I really have a hard time seeing doing all of this, not gathering ships, unless you're just kind of mentally preparing your men for what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. I mean, one of the potential reasons for building a lighthouse was it would help the ships find their way back. Right. Remember when Julius Caesar went over, he lost a lot of ships. Yes. On oh, yeah. both occasions, oh, yeah. and they got blown off, you know, blown in Scattered. storms and all this yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. So Caligula may have gone, okay, well, listen, obviously the situation in Germany's not ready for me to make the invasion, exactly. but I've come all this fucking way. Right. Let's make a show. Let's go down there. Yeah. Check out, check it out, make some preparation. Go to the gift and, shop. And right. Build a, <laughs> build a lighthouse. I've always wanted to build a lighthouse. You should see my design for this lighthouse. Oh, sure. It's just like the Pharos. Right. The lighthouse of Pharos in Alexandria. It's kicker. You're going to love it. Now, getting back to what happened on the coast, um, some historians also suggest that it had nothing to do with an invasion of Britain. Right. But was all about this Belgic tribe, the Caninifates. Caninifates. Oh. The Farties. We just call them the Farties. <laughs> Their name apparently means leek masters. Right. Oh. They lived on sandy soil and grew leeks and onions. I thought you were going to say dog farts because it's like, to me, it was like canine fates. So I was going to call them dog farts. But that's fine too. Fates is, uh, is good. Yeah. yeah. Dog farts. Yeah. yeah, the dog farts. No, I like that. Now, why would you be performing an exercise on the coast involving a tribe that mostly lived on the banks of the Rhine? Huh. Well, Suetonius mentions that Caligula's only accomplishment in the north was to receive the surrender of Adminius, son of Cymbeline, or Ooh. Aminius, as his coins call him, A-double-M, Aminius. Okay. So would that have so, been, I'm sorry, but but if this guy is maybe, and I'm guessing here, pro-Roman or if he's chased out by other Brits and he comes over and he gives himself to Caligula, is that not a an opportune moment to go, well, yeah, I, I came for what I, I got what I came here for, for now. Uh, I'm going to declare victory because I have this hostage or prisoner. Yeah. So... Uh, Cymbeline had three sons, Caractacus, Togodumnus, and Aminius. Now, mm-hmm. the first two were anti-Roman. This oh. one might have been pro-Roman. And he defected to Caligula. Mm. Now, there's a there's a 5th century account in Erosius that says Caligula went to the coast to meet Aminius and accept his tribute and then returned with him to Rome. So maybe he intended to invade Britain after the German campaign was finished, but the German campaign was dragging on. Yeah. So he went to meet Aminius. He got word that Aminius 
was coming. So he went to the coast to meet Aminius, jumped in the trireme, went out, met Aminius halfway, brought him back, yeah. accepted his tribute as the a prince or maybe as the king, the rightful king of the Britons. Right. And just went, well, fuck it. Like the timing's not right. The <laughs> German situation's not right. Yeah. And and went home saying, okay, Galba's going to bed down Germany. I'll try again next year. We'll build a lighthouse. And, uh, you know, uh, at least I've got a defector who has, you know, Hand, you know, even better than going and, and invading it, this guy's given me the whole island. Yeah. Because he's technically the British king. It's a good look. So he's the, he's the, he's the genuine king. The others are usurpers, right? His right. brothers. Right. So we don't need to invade. How fucking bad am I? I didn't even need to invade. All I needed to do was get close. <laughs> this guy Gave himself jumps up. on a ship, comes over, gives himself up and hands over the island because I'm a motherfucking <laughs> badass. Woot, woot. <laughs> right? And yes. and one of the and the reason he got the soldiers to collect shells right. were they were a sign of his victory over Oceanus. Mm. <laughs> O- yeah. Oceanus, the uh, god of the oceans. Sure. Right? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the god of the oceans uh, featured at the Trevi Fountain in Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was like, well, you know what? I came here and even, you know, I sailed out onto the ocean and, and, and accepted my uh, victory and came back. I defeated right. Oceanus. Like, you're all terrified. You're all scared me. of the water. Look yeah. at me. I can't swim. I went out. I stared this motherfucker <laughs> down. <laughs> and as tribute, I'm going to take his shit, yes. which is shells, and, back right. as symbolic booty back to Rome. And you have, and, and, and in all seriousness, you have to keep in mind that the Romans took this stuff a lot more serious than we did because there was a God for practically everything. So they would have respected this a lot more than, than obviously we do. And apparently he sent a letter to the Senate, which talked about having achieved victory over the entire island. Sure. Which would make sense if he, if the King surrendered to him. Yeah. And uh, the shells uh, were presented to the consuls. No, sorry, his letter was presented to the consuls Mm -hmm. at the Temple of Mars Ultor, which is the temple that Augustus set up where the Senate would meet to consider claims for triumphs. And it's where the triumphs would finish Uh. and present their, their booty. Right. So he planned a huge triumph where he would deliver the shells to the Temple of Mars Altor. But in the end, he only had a modest triumph for his victory over the conspirators. And maybe he decided to postpone the large one until he finished the campaigns in Germany and Britain. Right. Yeah. Again, that's that's that makes a hell of a lot more sense than thinking that he's crazy and that he really defeated a god and he's bringing back seashells like it's a big deal. This is something I'm setting up for later. It will save the big reward for when I finally get this shit done. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
listen, we'll have a little one now, yeah. but really, next year, yeah. oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick some ooh, serious ooh. ass. I'm just I'm working up to it. We're gonna have a toga party. <laughs> now there is also some suggestion that from this time on he called himself Britannicus as well as Germanicus. Right. Historians aren't sure about it. Dio says they were humorous appellations. Is that the right word? Appellations? Humorous titles. Let's go with that. Right. Suggesting that his sexual conquests were as mighty as if he had conquered entire nations. Mm. But but maybe uh, Dio's just trying to downplay it. Maybe he did consider that he was the conqueror of those because this guy, Aminius, had surrendered himself. Good point. I would look at it that way if I wanted to. Now, uh, Suetonius also says that when Caligula was in Germany, he planned to decimate the legions in Germany that had mutinied against his father and himself as a child back in the year 14. Right. But that he either got talked out of it or got scared out of it. Yeah. Because when he was on the verge of doing it to punish them for the mutiny... Uh, the the troops got wind of what was going on and ran for their weapons, so he got scared <laughs> yeah. and fled back to Rome. That I'm what sorry. What do you think of this story, Ray? That's it's a weak story. It's bullshit because then you got to you've got to you know like you do. You like to whip out your calendar every once in a while. This was back in 14, and how many of these men would have still been around in the year 40? Because they only served like 20 years. So maybe he was joking about. Oh, I want I want to decimate some guys because the war with the Germans is still fucking going on. And again, he he seems to tell a lot of joke a body jokes. He seems to see a lot of inappropriate things. And I think maybe the sources were taking him literally at his word. But again, the math, the calendar, the dates, they just don't line up because it, it would have been completely different men. So I, I think it's just someone trying to take an episode and spin it and use it against him to make him look cruel. Yeah, you're right. He might have said, oh, you're the legions that uh, rebelled against my father and me when I was a kid. I should have you all killed. And they're <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> good, good one. Well, that really wasn't us uh, killing you. That was my father. Goes, I know, I yeah, know. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. With you. Water under the bridge. You know, it all turned out well. <laughs> yeah, because I'm on end. top. Exactly. Well, even, you know, Germanicus uh, forced those troops into loyalty himself. So, you know. Yeah. Nothing really They love Germanicus. Exactly. Exactly. Eventually, you know. Um, so again, you know, these stories in Dio and Suetonius just sound like bullshit propaganda. And because of that, we shouldn't really take them at face value for anything they say about Caligula. And what, what does seem to be clear though, is Caligula went to extreme efforts to strengthen the, the troops on the Rhine, mm-hmm. which allowed Claudius to successfully yes. campaign in Britain a few years later. Right. But instead of getting credit for all of the groundwork that he did, nothing. In the ancient sources, Caligula, including Tacitus, Caligula gets chastised for accomplishing nothing of military value. He's a, he's a joke. It's a whim. He doesn't. He he couldn't. He couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. And, you know, keeping in mind, he's a very young man. Yeah. He's expecting to have a lifetime appointment. And he doesn't know he's going to get assassinated <laughs> a year from now. Right. I got time. He's like... I got time. Yeah, I got time. I'll come back next year or five yeah. years from now. It doesn't matter. Fuck you, you know, up. I got... Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to live till I'm 80 yeah, at least. I got this. Got plenty of time to. No fucking hurry. And also, <laughs> we have to remember that if the conspiracy theories are true and it fits with this timeline, uh-huh. he may be aware that there are conspiracies going on still against him back in Rome. Mm-hmm. And he has to hurry back to Rome to get, you know, to take care of that situation. So. Even if he did plan to stick around, uh, uh, maybe spend the winter season there, wait till the German situation is solidified, then he can uh, build some ships and fucking uh, take on Britain. Right. He finds that there are conspiracies going on against oh. him back in Rome. He needs to drop everything and head back. Like Napoleon in Russia. Yeah. Uh, in 1812, everyone's like, well, he, you know, on the, on the march back, the, the dreadful march back from Russia in the winter of 1812 where he lost hundreds of thousands of men. Mm-hmm. He he didn't do the march with them. He, he hurried back to Rome and he gets criticised a lot typically by British historians for that. But he, you have to understand that, you know, not back to Rome, back to Paris. Right. He had to race back to Paris because, you know, his defeat, well, it wasn't a defeat in Moscow, but it wasn't a victory either. He got yeah. defeated by the winter, not by the Russians. The Russians just ran away. Um, uh, uh, there was, you know, instability back in Paris. His enemies were trying to take control. Uh, there was another alliance of the, the, the anti-Napoleonic alliance getting together. He had to f- rush back to Paris to take control of what was going on there. Yeah, same thing here. Uh, he, w- he, he would have, you know, under normal, normal circumstances, always remained with his troops. He was a man, man of his troops, mm-hmm. but uh, his situation determined that he had to get back to Paris quickly, may have been the case with Caligula. So let's wrap up episode 17 there. He is hurrying back to Rome. Why, we will find out in the next episode because... It's fun to talk about. (laughs) It's time to go out and kick some ass and do whatever you can to inflict pain. I was in the wrong spot. Um, shock, gasp? No, I did not. Can you tell me about him? I've heard the name. I got this. What the fuck? You're doing pretty good. All right, Hitler. 